This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeaky, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888 Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboard to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are so psyched that you're here with us today because we know you love home improvement, you love DIY, you love decor, you love renovation, and we do too. And we're here to help you get started on those projects or maybe get you out of jam if you found something that you don't understand and don't know how to proceed. You can proceed by picking up the phone and calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT-888-666. 3974. Hey, coming up on this episode, have you ever noticed that summer rainstorms can really stir up some damage between the blackouts and the lightning and the electrical damage and the leaks and the floods? These are all not that uncommon. So we're going to share some tips on what you should be doing to make sure your house is storm ready when the next big one comes on. And you find yourself overflowing with yard tools, pool toys, lawn chairs, even kids' bikes, then you might be ready to build a shed. Now, whether you want to store the overflow or maybe create the perfect man cave or she shed, shed projects are more popular now than ever. We're going to have some pro tips to help you do it right. And hey, after a couple of months of heavy grilling, your gas grill may need an extreme makeover of its own. We just did this to ours, and it gave me the idea to talk about it on the show. We're going to have some tips for a simple mid-season grill cleaning to step up that sizzle, because our sizzle had definitely died down until it got rid of all that old (laughs) jar. I mean, it's amazing how gunky grills get so fast, and then it's like a gross chore to clean them. But we can help (laughs) you do that so that your grilling gets right back into where it needs to be for the remainder of the summer. Or maybe you're thinking of doing an outside project. Whatever it is, we are here to lend a hand. So give us a call 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Heading on over to Minnesota where Mercedes is having some roofing issues. What's going on at your money pit? Well, I had uh, roofing put on a few years ago, and uh, they nailed it in the valleys instead of on the ridges. Oh, okay. And then now that it has rained these, you know, quite a bit in between, then my uh, paint and my kitchen ceiling is uh, peeling off and the sheetrock is wet because of the moisture coming in. So basically, it's leaking through the metal valleys? Yes. Because there's holes in those valleys, Mercedes? Yes, in the valleys. So obviously, that wasn't done right, and so you have really two choices. Uh, you can either replace that valley flashing, and that's a project, you know, because the, the metal roof has to be loosened up to get the new valley underneath it, or what you could do is silicone caulk those holes and hope for the best. You know, silicone, you'll probably get a, a good couple of years out of that, but you may have to do it again. Well, now, I wonder, did you hear about this 
product that uh, they put an undercoat on a metal roof to repair it, and then they put an second coat over the top of that? No, and I don't know how you get an undercoat on a metal roof that's already down. So metal roofs have been around for, for over 100 years, and they're super durable roofs. But the problem is that a lot of times the contractors don't have the skill set to properly construct them and properly repair them. If they're installed properly, then they can last indefinitely and be leak-free. It sounds like there were some errors made in the installation of your roof. And so you have a kind of decide now whether you want to take this apart and fix those errors or just continue to explore opportunities for patching. If it was me... I would try to disassemble it and replace that flashing because it, it's going to be a sore spot moving forward, not only with water, but also you're going to have ice dams that will form there in your you know, part of the country. The water will get behind it, and that can also work its way into the roof. Okay, Mercedes, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Steve in Iowa is on the line with a decking question. What can we do for you today? I've had my deck on my house for, it's been probably at least 15 years. Um, it's a floating deck, so it's not attached to the house. Um, and the only problem with that is, is part of the deck has a cistern underneath of it. Oh, so it's covering this old cistern. Okay. Yes, but the cistern is still, I don't use it often, but it is nice to have, so I don't want to take it out. Okay. Because my deck is settling at different levels, and the cistern, above the cistern, obviously I can't put any post holes in to stop the heaving. Yeah, so how do you um, actually get to that cistern when you want to get to it? you have to pop deck boards up, or is there a hatch? No, there's a pipe that runs outside the deck, and you can just dump the water into there. Well, if the deck is heaving, if it's structurally moving, then there's nothing that you're going to do short of basically replacing that with a better foundation that's going to stop that from happening. How big is this deck? 20 by 12. Yeah, is your concern that the deck is um, is moving and that the floor is getting uneven? Or is your concern that the lumber is cracking and checking? What's your big concern with it? The deck is very uneven. Uh, the, like uh, by the house, it has settled probably maybe eight inches. And then where the cistern's at, it hasn't settled at all. And this cistern, this is not like an open well, is it, where somebody could fall into it? This is a pipe that comes out? No, there's, yeah, there's, it feeds directly into my basement. And there's a concrete lid over the top. So you really do need to have some sort of a structural cover for this. So I guess what I would do in this case is I would probably take the old deck apart and rebuild it. I would reframe it and basically do it all from scratch um, and put in some better uh, footings for this. Now, you can use columns in the ground, but they have to be on their own footing. So what you might want to do is dig down uh, and sink posts, like six by six posts into the ground and kind of do this almost like it's a pole barn. But you're really only doing this to support the girders and the beams for the deck. And then you're stringing new rafter, new, I'm sorry, new joists across from that. And then I would think about using composite decking on top of this, and I would definitely build in an access panel, which could be, you know, sort of like a hatch that lifts up or just the panel that lifts out to give you access to that cistern space in case you want to use it. Would you ever consider pouring concrete first and then put building the deck over top of that? No. I mean, if you were going to do concrete, then you would just do a, a concrete patio, but isn't that going to make it hard to get to the cistern and access the the space? Yeah, I would just thought, I didn't know if pouring concrete all the way around the cistern first would work and then pour the deck on top of that? Or No, it's no, 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 no. You don't need the concrete to make this deck structurally strong and to stop it from wobbling. If it's designed properly from the get-go, you're not going to have this issue. I suspect it was not when it was built, and that's why it looks like it does now. Okay, thank you much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 
Money Pit. Marge in New Jersey is on the line with a kitchen question. How can we help you today? I have a uh, carousel in the kitchen for the kitchen cabinets. And uh, the shelf, the top one, is uh, dropped a lot. And I can't figure out how to go about to uh, secure it or how in the world do you repair something like that? So is this sort of like uh, what we would call a lazy Susan, like sits inside of a cabinet and spins around? Yes. And holds the pots and pans. They take a lot of wear and tear, don't they, Marge? I mean, uh, over all those years? Sure. Does it have to be replaced or can it be repaired? Well, it depends. I mean, the first thing you do is clean that cabinet out and take the existing carousel apart. Now, if the mechanism itself, uh, like the ball bearings have fallen apart, there's a bracket between the carousel and the bottom of the cabinet that has like two plates on them and they spin on ball bearings. If that uh, access has broken down, which it could over many years, you know, that uh, has to be replaced. And the thing is that those parts are all available, especially for those old cabinets. You can usually find them online if you if you research them. And essentially what has to happen here is you got to take that whole thing apart and then rebuild it. Now, this might be a job for a carpenter or a cabinet maker or somebody that's just handy enough to, to be able to tackle this. But I find that when I look at something like this, that, that cabinetry will speak to me. It will tell me how it went in and what has to be done to take it apart. If you look at it very carefully, you can usually figure it out because somebody put it in to begin with and there's got to be a way to disassemble it. Does that make sense? Uh, Yes, that does. Now, since there are two uh, uh, levels, one on the bottom and one on the top, the ball bearings would be in the bottom level so that if I start unscrewing everything... Uh, where would I find them? Does it make a difference if it's a two-shelfer? There's one shelf way on the bottom, then there's a space, and then Mm -hmm. you have another shelf. Right. I don't think it makes a difference because I think it's all part of the same assembly. And and the ball bearings are going to be on the bottom, not the top. The top, it may have like an access point, like an axle, but the spin is going to be under where all the weight is. Okay, so that's that's the side of it. Does this carousel uh, still move or is it too stiff? No, it still moves. It still moves. What part of it is broken, Marge? Uh, the, the actual shelf itself, the top shelf, appears to have dropped about uh, eight inches. All right. So here's what I would do. If it was just the top shelf that, that dropped, I would look for a way to repair that top shelf. And I can't tell you exactly how to do it, but probably figure out a creative way. If that's dropped down, if it's sitting like on a center column, then they have to get something up underneath that to support it. Okay. All right, so that's what I'll do. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, when the forecast calls for severe weather, it's important to make sure that you're storm ready. Between the thunder, the lightning, the power failures, and torrential rain, there's definitely a few things that you can be doing now to make sure you're ready for the next one. Yep. So first, let's talk about those basements and crawl spaces. You want to make sure that the gutters are clean, that the grating slopes away from the house. And if you've got a basement, you should also probably have a sump pump installed as an additional backup. And if you do have a sump pump, it's also smart to test it once in a while. In some cases, that sump pump may not have run for months or maybe even years, which is a good thing unless you need it. So what you want to do is fill it up with water until the float switch activates or the pressure switch activates and make sure it runs. If it doesn't, no, it's better to have it fixed now before you got a big storm that's trying to use it as well. 
Yeah. Now, you got to remember also that most of these sump pumps run on electricity. So if you lose power, you're going to lose that pump. Now, some pumps have a battery backup, which is great, and it's a good idea. But most backup batteries only will run for a limited amount of time. And that's another reason that both Tom and myself have whole house generators. Now, they keep key systems running when the street power kicks out. I mean, I would say since I've installed the whole house standby generator, which is great because it'll just kick on should the power go out. And I splurged and got the 20 kilowatt unit. So my whole entire house will function. That's which right. Makes me feel a bit greedy when everybody else is in the dark. <laughs> but I mean, it's only come on a handful of times in probably the past eight years that I've had it. And it's been excellent. And there are times when, you know, the rest of the block has been out and I've taken, you know, food from their refrigerator. You know, you're happy to help out when you're in the sort of have versus the have not in a power situation. And it definitely makes life easier easy and you feel super prepared for whatever mother nature is going to throw at you. Absolutely. Now the whole house generator is permanently installed outside your home and it comes in automatically within seconds of a power outage. And most folks don't realize most of these whole house generators run on natural gas. So that means no trips to the gas station to buy gasoline to fill it up with. It's totally automatic. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. JR in Texas is on the line with a question about bees. It was a dream. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Hey, JR, how can we help you? I have a particular uh, question on some bees. Um, I went to my water meter, and in the water meter, there's a nest of uh, bumblebees, um, or honeybees, sorry about that. And I'm looking to see what's the 
what's the correct way to maybe remove them, to relocate them somewhere else before their nest gets destroyed? Boy, I tell you what, I got to say that if, you know, I've seen them in trees, and I know that beekeepers uh, with the proper equipment and the proper procedure can move them. But if it's attached to something very structural or mechanical like a water meter, that makes it a lot more difficult because you can't clip the water meter off your house with the bees attached to it and carry it to a new location. So I'm going to have to punt on this and tell you to get some advice from a local bee expert and see if they can figure out a creative way to to move that hive safely Um, because it is attached to the water meter. And I guess it's really going to probably come down to how much how much inconvenience you're going to want to go through because I don't even know if it's possible to get that water meter off your house. You'd have to shut the water off from the from the street. Um, I applaud that you want to try to preserve these bees, um, but this is a very difficult spot for you to have to uh, extract them from. Share your time. Uh, that is pretty much my question on that. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Casey in Texas is on the line and needs some help with a flooring project. What can we do for you today? I have a special needs son. He's four years old. And he crawls throughout our house, and unfortunately, he has a lot, lot of falls. I'm looking to replace the flooring in my game room and kitchen, which is currently ceramic tile, with a softer option. And I was thinking of doing cork flooring. So. Wanted to know what your opinion on the cork flooring was, if there's a better option, and can it be laid on top of the tile? Great question. I mean, I was actually just thinking of that cork flooring as, as a good, terrific, soft option for you. In terms of when whether you can lay it on top of the tile, if the tile is really flat, you probably can. But if the tile has a bit of a rough surface or, you know, sort of curvy edges, um, I think that it could potentially be an issue. That said, there there may be um, a cork flooring out there that has sort of more of a solid back that could give you some stability over that. I'd look into it. I'd check a place like Lumber Liquidators. But cork flooring is incredibly durable. Um, it is soft. And I think it is a good choice for you. I mean, short of doing something with, you know, area rugs or something of that nature, I think that's probably, mm-hmm. you know, one of the best choices that you can make. If it's an area that you would potentially want a carpet, you know, just keep in mind that there's a lot of differences in carpet padding. There's a lot of chintzy carpet padding out there, but if you look for it, you'll find the good stuff that really does give you uh, some cushion to that surface. And, you know, you don't have to choose a thick carpet to put over it, but you got to have the right carpet padding under it. That's really critical. Okay. And if you went with something like a laminate floor, and there is an underlayment that goes under laminate floor. Now, the laminate floor, obviously, is not soft on top. But if the underlayment, uh, I know that one of the brands that uh, I used to work with had like a sort of an eighth-inch foam kind of sheet that would go under it that would give it some, some give, too. But I think pretty much any floor you choose is going to be softer than, uh, than ceramic tile. Okay. Right, Leslie? I mean, that really is true. The only concern I would have with putting the cork over the ceramic tile is that some of the cork floorings are on the thinner side. So like Tom mentioned, you want to make sure that the cork floor is thick enough to hide the imperfections that are there in that tile. But cork really is a great and forgiving surface, and it looks gorgeous, too. Good. Is it pretty moisture tolerant? I mean, I'm just concerned in the kitchen. Is there anything to worry about? 
The cork tends to be water resistant. I wouldn't put it in a place like a bathroom where you've got potential for, you know, tubs overflowing and things of that nature. But the occasional spill and the water that tends to happen in a kitchen space is perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Sandy in Nebraska, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, we have ceramic floors, and they're ceramic tile, and they're probably 20 years old, and they just don't come clean anymore, and they're real porous, and we've scrubbed them with a scrub brush, and they will come sort of clean, but that's a whole lot of work. We've tried different cleaners, um, vinegar and water and soft and scrub and Clorox and water and soda and water, and they just don't come clean. And short of tearing them up, what could we possibly do for them? Yeah, it sounds like the glaze has worn off the ceramic tile, and as a result... Well, you know, I don't even know if, they, if it ever had a glaze. It, so most tile have a glaze, unless it's like a natural Mexican tile or something like that. I would be very surprised to find any tile out there that didn't have a, a, a glaze um, finish to it. The surface will wear down after a really long, long time, and it depends on the quality um, of the tile. So I don't have a really good solution for you. It's a fairly unusual problem. You know, you can clean the grout, you can replace the grout, you can seal the grout, but the tile surface itself, it's not really possible to add an additional sort of glaze coat to that. So you might want to think about some other floor options. A really inexpensive one, by the way, would be laminate floor. It works really well in the bathroom because it's very moisture resistant. Uh, It kind of snaps together um, and it floats on top of the original floor. So really all you have to do is install it, put in a new saddle where the door comes across, maybe some uh, shoe molding between that and the and the baseboard, cut it around the toilet, and you're and you're good to go. So there are other floor choices, uh, or if you want to just maintain that ceramic tile, you could also put a second layer of tile over the top one, over the first one, without removing that original layer. As long as that original layer is solid, there's no decay or softness or structural deficiency there. You could put a second layer of tile on top of the first tile, top of the first layer of tile, and still be good to go. All right, Sandy. Yes, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at eight eight eight. Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. 
Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, homeowners have always had sort of a love-hate relationship with backyard sheds. Now, we love the extra storage space, but we hate the way they look. And building one is not as easy as it seems. And maintaining a shed is a job that feels like it's never going to end. But whether you're just a little tight on outside storage or you want to build a she shed or a he shed or a we shed or whatever kind of shed, there are four important things that you need to consider. And we've got these tips in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Now, first, the average cost to build a shed is between $800 and $4,000, depending on the materials you choose and whether you choose to go DIY or hire a pro. But whether you decide to hire a pro or go it alone, there are a couple of basic questions you need to ask yourself before you start that shopping. For example, let's talk about size and style. Do you need something that's simple and utilitarian, or do you want something that's decorative? There are a lot of different styles and sizes out there, so evaluate your home and property to determine the best style for your needs. Now, one trick to make the design fit in is to choose a style that matches your home's roof line. So, for example, if you have a home with a gable roof, if you build a shed with a barn-style roof, it's going to look totally out of place. Now, the next thing you got to think about is your budget. If you have a tight budget, you can design a simple shed that's going to get the job done without a lot of frills. And if you've got some extra wiggle room, you can look for some added features, maybe like integrated shelving inside, decorative trim on the exterior, or you can go all out and add electricity, heat, plumbing, make it a place that you want to stay in year-round. You know, I guess it really depends on what the use is. If it's storage, keep it simple. But if it's a yoga spot, warm it up. Now, let's talk about the permits. You need to know if they're required or not. So check your local building codes and make sure you heed them. There are three types that might apply. There's building permits, mechanical permits, and zoning permits. So building is the construction. Mechanical is like the wiring. And zoning means, well, you could have it on your property line or so far off your property line, whatever those requirements are. You want to know about them now, though, because you do not want to find out after you finish the project that it's got to come down because it violated some building codes or a zoning ordinance. And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You can find top local pros, book, and even pay for over a 100 everyday projects with clear upfront pricing on the HomeAdvisor app. To get started, download the HomeAdvisor app today. 888-666-3974. We'd love to hear what you're working on. Give us a call right now with your home improvement, remodeling, or decor question. All right, now we've got Ed in West Virginia on the line who's doing some exterior cleanup. What are you working on? Well, my deck. I've got a covered deck with uh, treated wood, and uh, it needs cleaning to get the dirt and grime off of it because since it's covered, you, the rain won't come in and wash it off. And, and I can't use a lot of water because I've got things underneath it uh, that the water would leak down to. So uh, 
and I also have uh, exterior steps, and they're getting mossy. So what kind of a cleaning product can I use to clean this, this wood with? Now, first of all, what's underneath that you don't want to get wet? Is it furniture? Are you storing stuff there? Well, I've got uh, basically a, a workshop. I've got two workshops, one inside my, the house and one outside under the deck. You're going to probably have to cover those with tarps or something because you are going to need to use some amount of water. But what we would recommend is a wood cleaner. Now, cleaners, what they do is they'll, they're very good at removing dirt, removing grinding, sort of removing that oxidized grayish sort of appearance that gets on top of pressure-treated lumber. And Flood makes a good one, right, Leslie? Yeah, Flood actually has a product called Flood Wood Cleaner, and you can mix it with water. I think one gallon container mix up to a five gallons of cleaning solution, and it can actually remove a grayed appearance on lumber and give it like a like new appearance. Now, here's the thing: I know a lot of people think that when it comes to cleaning a deck, oh, it's just dirt, it's pollen, whatever's on it, and they think just using some water on it is going to get rid of it. But you get the same things on your car, and you don't wash your car with just water. You actually need a cleaner or a soap product, but you don't want to use soap on wood. So it's always good to use a product like a wood cleaner that really will help you get rid of all of the weathering, the dirt, the grime, you know, just the usual stuff that a winter will put on a surface. So if you go with the flood wood cleaner, you can use it on exterior, interior, all kinds of woods. I mean, I'm saying interior because I'm meaning that yours is covered. I wouldn't use it in the house, but that's what I mean there. Um, And it'll do a good job. You'll get about a 1,000 square feet total from a gallon, so you'll get a really good coverage. You want to let it dry, but again, like Tom mentioned, you want to cover anything that's underneath because it is a cleanser and you don't want to get it on your tools. Yeah, and you have to wet the deck surface first, and then once it's wet, then you apply the wood cleaner using kind of like a pump up garden sprayer, or you can even roll it on with a, with a brush roller like you as if you were painting. Okay. You let it sit on the surface for a while, and then you rinse it off. Okay. Well, that, rinsing it off is a problem. <laughs> and you're not going to be able to dry clean your wood deck. <laughs> yeah. I don't know any cleaner that's going to take that in. It's just not going to happen. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, now that we've been through a couple of months of heavy grilling, your gas grill, if it looked anything like mine before I did this, is probably ready for a good cleaning. That same char-broiling grill action that gives us the flavor on the ribs and the chickens and the steaks and the burgers all summer long can really cause problems if you don't take a moment and do a thorough grill cleaning once in a while. Yeah, and it's a pretty simple project. So here's what you need to know. First of all, you've got to soak the grids, that's the part that you grill on, in hot, soapy water and clean them with a nylon scrubbing pad. Now, if the grids are really encrusted, you want to use an oven cleaner in a well-ventilated area and then rinse those clean. Next, you need to remove the lava rock or those ceramic briquettes and clean them with a wire brush. You need to replace any that have started to deteriorate and then remove the burner, brush it clean, and make sure that you check carefully for cracks, split seams, even any holes. And if you find some, that burner should be immediately replaced. 
Now, next, you want to check all the rubber hoses. Make sure that there are no cracks. Replace any that show the slightest sign of wear. And once that grill cleaning is complete, you're pretty much ready to put it all back together. Make sure you check the gas connection leaks when you do that. To do it safely, just mix a 50-50 solution of liquid dishwashing soap and water, and then brush it on all of those gas connections and watch for any bubbles. If you got any bubbles there, then you got a leak and you got to fix it. And once that's done, you are definitely set to resume a summer of sizzling steaks, burgers, and more. And if you've got a home improvement question that is just sizzling in your head and you need to get some answers and get some ideas to get started on your project, give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit or post your question at MoneyPit.com. All right, now we've got Dawn in Nebraska on the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Well, we'd like to redo a bathroom that has an old tub and the shower that's got the kind of a plastic sheeting. It's not plastic, but the oh, some kind of that gross stuff you glue on the wall. We'd like to take all of that out, including the bathtub, and then tile the shower and the shower floor. My question is, if we tile the shower floor, um, do we have to put a lip to keep the water from coming out, or is there some way, if we tile the entire bathroom floor and shower the same, would you recommend some kind of uh, elevation drop just a little bit into the shower so the water doesn't run out, or is that just a no-no if we've got to have a lip? at the edge of the shower. Okay, you're missing one critical component of the bathroom makeover you describe, and that's that's a shower pan. Right. And so I would recommend you purchase a shower pan and use that to install the pan, the, the bottom of the shower and the drain of the shower. And there are shower pans that you can tile over if you don't want to see the shower pan, but frankly, it's so small, and when you tile a shower pan, it's just such a maintenance hassle because... All the water sits in there and ends up making the grout look nasty. I would just use a standard shower pan and then tile right down to the pan. You can connect the drains to the shower pan. The shower drains all be integrated there. Then you tile right down over the lip of the shower pan, and this way you have a nice waterproof seal. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, If you do the soap dish or I'm not sure what else to call it, in the wall and you want to recess it in so you've got like an 18 by 18 area to put your shampoos and such, can that be on an outside wall? Will you not smoosh your insulation to where it doesn't work, or does it have to be an inside wall? Yeah, that's a good question. I I, I would tend to avoid that, I think, because, yeah, you would have no insulation in that space. It would end up being very, very cold, Mm -hmm. and I, I think I would tend to put that on an interior wall. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Remember, you can always post your questions just like Maggie did, who writes, When I dust my house in the evening, everything is covered again by the next morning. Could the problem be stemming from the heat pump air conditioning system? We've had the unit thoroughly cleaned inside and out to no avail. 
Well, it's possible, Maggie, but I tell you, it's more likely because you don't have the right filter on that HVAC system. You know, there are a lot of different densities of filters out there and efficiencies of filters, and you really want one that has a MERV rating of around 11, which is pretty high. That's going to capture most of the dust. Make sure it's properly inserted into your return air duct or your blower compartment of your furnace and air conditioning unit, and this way it will capture most of that dust. When the system turns on overnight, it could be circulating that dusty air, and if the filter's not in the right place, um, that's exactly what's going to get redistributed throughout the entire house. All right, I hope that helps cut your dusting time in half or erases it completely. Well, could you use an extra set of hands around the house? Well, if you got kids, you may already have those hands. We've got some tips for teaching home improvement to your younger ones in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie, you ready to put them to work yet? Yeah, of course. you got to put them to work, and you got to put them to work early. Now, with more time at home, you've got to find activities to keep those kids busy and productive, and that can be a challenge. But that makes now a really great time to teach them a few home improvement skills with projects that they're going to love being a part of. First of all, when the quarantine started, I painted pretty much every room in my home. So I taught the kids at that point, first of all, especially since we were only going to the store one time to pick up an order that we pre-placed on the phone, we really went over what did we need? What do we have at home and what are the, what are the supplies that we needed? Did we need new roller covers? Did we need any tarps, any tape? Whatever it was, and we made that list and we called in the order. So they were with me in the whole planning process. Then I had them learn how to prepare and prep those walls, fill in any cracks. All all the types of things to make that wall surface smooth, I made those kids do. And granted, some of them we had to do over, but most of them, they did a pretty great job. And then a painting project, I mean, as long as you are properly prepping the space, the floor, taping things off that you don't want the paint on, it's a great project for kids. Now that we've entered into the warmer months and we're still spending time at home, I've taught the kids more about gardening. Again, learning about what type of zone you're in in the garden and what plants are going to do well and what's the day... For sun and shade in that area and then finding out what plants are good there and then teaching the kids how to work in that spot. I think all of those things are really great because it helps them take ownership of their space and it helps them understand a little bit about how it works to get those projects done. Now, if they can get a hold of that planning, that shopping list, learning to do these projects safely, they've got a lot of the things that they need when they start planning their own projects. You know, my son wants to redo his bedroom and I'm like, great, let's talk about where that furniture is going to go. How are we going to arrange it? Are you painting? Are we taking up carpeting? All of the things so he can sort of figure out the steps, the process, and the planning. And that's all great. And if you want to really motivate them a little more, I know my kids are so obsessed with all these social media apps with before and after pictures and process stuff. Make it a little game. Have them sort of do a demo of how they're doing one project. Post the before, post the after. Of course, all of this with parental supervision because, you know, slippery social media slopes there. (laughs) But it's really a great project and it gives the kids a lot of ownership of their space and their home. And someday you hope they're going to be homeowners too. So you got to get them ready. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, you know, this time of year, a lot of communities are imposing limits on outdoor water use. And when that happens, as a homeowner, you kind of wonder, what can you do to avoid having your yard turn into like a dead, dry wasteland? Well, we're going to have tips on how you can conserve water and still have a healthy, beautiful lawn on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.
Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.